Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kratom Guy Show. I'm your host, Mike Overstreet, the Boston Kratom Guy. Welcome back to episode number 11. Now let's the beat right up. got an action-packed show today for you folks. We got Mac Haddow is going to be on the show. I ran into him in Rhode Island. We got an activist from Mississippi to give us a rundown on the latest there. Um, I've been to New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Previous show I was in Maryland. And this week's special guest is John Bush from Brave Botanicals out of Austin. And... That's as well as the music that you're hearing. That's Lion Heights, also out of Austin. And next week's show, we're going to have Paul Kemp, Kratom OG, one of the first board members, the original board member of the American Kratom Association. This guy's 70 years old, doesn't go to a doctor, consumes Kratom every day. It's in great health. I'm going to get to those preview clips of John and Paul in just a second. And all those stories coming up soon. But first... I want to tell you guys about this week's sponsor. That's right. We are now sponsored on the Kratom Guys show. We are so thrilled to have Candid Orange Flavored Kratom as a sponsor. Can't say enough good things about these guys. So let me tell you guys about Candid. Uh, They are revolutionizing the Kratom industry, Kratom extracts, with their orange flavored drink. And the reason why I say they're revolutionizing the industry is because, one, the drink just tastes great. It's uh, it's orange-flavored. It comes in this little pouch, super discreet, easy to use. It was a little sweet, but it's sweetened with stevia, which I like that. And I was able to judge how much, how much I wanted. So I wanted a stronger drink, so I just used a little bit less water, put it in a water bottle, shook it up, and drank that but i really like that if you wanted less just use more water and then you can sip it throughout the day so if you guys don't see candid orange flavored kratom at your favorite retailer make sure you tell them that you want candid flavored kratom and this would be a good time for a small disclaimer that neither myself nor any of my guests are medical professionals. Nothing we say should be considered medical advice, and you should always seek the advice of a physician or medical professional before taking anything. Any copyrighted material is used under fair use for education or criticism. Enjoy the show! So one of the great things about having this candid sponsorship is that part of the sponsorship is to give away um, some free samples to the listener, you. If you'd like to win some free candid kratom, stay tuned for later on in the show. We're going to be giving you instructions on how you can win the free uh, the free giveaway from Candid. Last last show, we had two lucky recipients of the Candid, John and Kimberly, by signing up for the Mass Herbal newsletter on massherbalmarket.com. So we are sincerely thankful for Candid. Um, 
they have allowed us, enabled us to get some new equipment, which has been really great, uh, really needed. Also, that comes a little learning curve, so just learning the, the new equipment and Final Cut Pro, and it's all to get more quality content, quality content out to you guys. First, as always, big thank you to you, the listener. Um, really humbled and honored that this has really taken off the way it has. And the feedback has just been remarkable. So if you enjoy the show want us to continue making content, one of the great and most simplest ways you can contribute and help support us is listening and sharing. We're now, you, you caught that out at the beginning from Anchor, we're now monetized with Anchor. So it's, it's not much money, but every play gets gets a little bit of money so so that's nice but uh your shares comments and really your comments i keep thinking that oh, i'm going to make shorter shows but then the longer shows that i don't think will do as well as the shorter ones end up being the most played so to me the comments are really important because this the show is all about bringing quality content to you guys so please drop a comment uh, let me know if you like the shorter version or the longer version and why because you know it, it's it's all about getting this information out and helping to keep Kratom legal, safe, and available for all. Please drop a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want what you want us to cover. So if you're looking for ways to help support the show, we got Mass Herbal, which is our online herbal shop, massherbalmarket.com. We got our Kratom Guys show Patreon. We'd love it if you could uh, help support us there. But really, like, share, subscribe, comment. I always want to know what you guys hear, what you guys think of the show, and what you want us to cover. So thank you guys so much. We are going to have a lot of stuff out on YouTube coming up. Going to break up these shows into clips for easier consumption and uh, a broader audience. Because those, if you haven't checked out the YouTube, go to Kratom Guy Show, uh, YouTube slash Kratom Guy Show. And got a bunch of content from Maryland, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, all up there. And there's going to be lots more coming. Just I, I wanted to get, get this out a little bit earlier, and I really appreciate you guys waiting. The world's gone corona crazy, so everything's been a little hectic. And then I had some issues with the website. So let's get into those clips right now, and then I'll get into a business update and then the, the main interviews. So this week we got John Bush. John Bush from Austin from Brave Botanicals, previously Brave New Books. Um, had a great chat with him. And that's when I learned about Kratom. One of my friends was selling Kratom, and we, and we carried it in our shop. And I took it myself, and really it helped a lot with stress, anxiety, and focus. But really, the big impact was in seeing how Kratom changed the lives of many of the, of my customers and how they were able to play with their kids again or their grandchildren. They were able to kick a, a major addiction for several years. And uh, being an activist, that really stuck with me. So I'm really grateful to be in this business that not only can I you know, provide for my, my family and my children, but I'm also... Uh, doing good in the world and, and helping people. And next show, we got Paul Kemp. Paul Kemp. Um, I also had a great conversation with him. He is uh, one of the original members, board members of the AKA. This guy is 70 years old and outstanding health. And I really think this is going to be bringing great quality, especially to some of the older uh, listeners. So 
Paul Kemp. The average person needs to understand this is something that, that can help them. There's many herbs that can help them. But Kratom's a good start in getting them away from all these drugs with the side effects and, and let them do it with the natural substance. You've got to, you know, pick your sources of Kratom intelligently, not buy it in gas stations or smoke shops generally. Right. But uh, it's a helpful tool. And I think we could we could do a lot to change America's health by having more people using this and have it, you know, let's stop wasting money trying to ban it by people that the FDA hasn't even seriously looked at it to see all the benefits. So I think that's really incredible that... Um, I think Paul Kemp's a real role model. You can be 60s, 70s, and still be happy and healthy. So, you know, that was a great chat. Um, I will get into a business update, what I got going on with Kratom Guy Show and Mass Herbal. And then, you know, like I said, we got an activist. Um, she said I could use her first name, but I'm going to keep her anonymous because she's in Mississippi and Kratom is illegal there in many areas. So we want to keep her safe. And then when I was in Rhode Island for the House Bill 7289, there was a, um, I was there February 26th, there was a Judiciary Committee meeting. Um, or uh, rather Health and Human Services Committee meeting um, for the Creative Consumer Protection Act. Creative is currently illegal in um, in Rhode Island right now, Schedule 1. And this bill introduced by Representative Kennedy would make, would introduce the KCPA, the Creative Consumer Protection Act. So um, I... I ran into Mac there it was only myself and the the other representatives from AKA which was kind of discouraging but it enabled me to actually get a nice chat with Mac so the full video is on the YouTube channel and then I'm going to play a couple of clips where he goes into some very interesting things about the how the CDC is acknowledging that the deaths are not caused just by kratom a Idaho uh, medical examiner that was asked by the FDA to change the results to make it kratom cause death when there was only kratom present, as well as a full update about uh, kratom news and current events. It'd be a lot quicker, but this is direct from Mac about their recent efforts and uh, the wins and uh, stuff going on with the AKA. So I got that clip coming up. I got the activist out in Mississippi. She gave, I talked to her right after they had their uh, Senate and House hearing, and that's on hold right now. Um, so it was great to talk to her, get a, uh, a local insight on that. And then the, uh, the clip from uh, the John Bush interview is going to be at the end. As always in the timeline, if you want to skip around, just go to the... Um, the description down below and we'll have the full timeline so if you, if you want to skip to any of the parts uh, i really encourage you to do that so we'll get into a little bit of a business update for you guys uh, a few 
our fan of the show, your listener, uh, you caught the last show, you might be asking, where is the special guest that was supposed to be here this week? He was supposed to do a giveaway. Bottom line is Joshua Arnold is not somebody I want to do business with. He became really pushy and overly aggressive, pretty much stalking me on my Twitter about every tweet I put up that had nothing to do with him. He would make it about him, and he did send me stuff to give away, and he was telling me it's for giveaway, not for consumption. And, like, dude, I'm not going to take your stuff. So, you know, it's just... I could play the the highlights or the lowlights from from those inter- from his interview, but at one point he wasn't responding, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm I'm driving." So, and then the bottom line was he kept every single tweet I was putting up. I eventually had to block him and send his stuff back. The last straw, because I'm like I said I would put it up, and then he kept pushing me, and I was and I wanted to keep my word, but after he kept pushing me and pushing me, you know, I just. I had it, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, did you listen to the last podcast? Your your preview clip is right at the beginning. Your next show, and he was like, why would I listen to a beginner's podcast? Never have. So I'm like, all right, man, that's fine. If if you don't have any respect for me and my listeners to not even check out the show and think that I'm a beginner podcaster, I just cut ties. And then he entered my the giveaway for the candid under an an alias email and he actually got picked randomly i was like no you're you're not getting the giveaway that's not happening and i'm sending your stuff back so i could go on for a while about him but i've recently heard from different colleagues that are in the industry they've also had a very negative experience with him and like my mother-in-law we call her mama so my mama says that there are positive examples and negative examples, and you can learn from both. So we're just going to take this as a learning experience, and I would much rather do a giveaway with Candid. That is an outstanding company. It sponsors the show and uh, big supporters of the show, and they actually uh, the guys, uh, representatives, listen to the show. So, you know, I... I, I I just, I don't want to get into it too much, but um, bottom line is that it, um, I'm not doing business with him, and I would suggest that you also don't do business with him or his iCratum line. So that's what happened to that guest, but uh, I just wanted to let you guys know um, what happened there. I had to block him on Twitter, so. So yeah, we'll get into all those clips. As far as what I have going on got big news for Mass Herbal. We have a payment processor. So if you'd like some outstanding Kratom, we can now process your payments. And we are transitioning fully from COD and cash to everything being shipped. It was really going to Maryland that I really learned how important it was that I was testing every batch and the the levels that people are going to to become GMP compliant. Like, uh, that's not really something I want to do. I'd much rather just be promoting uh, Kratom and making these shows. So we are teaming up with some outstanding companies, and we just came to 
an agreement for our first partnership with Magnum Opus. So look out for their salves and extracts to be sold on the site. And then we're also uh, in talks right now, very close to closing that agreement with a AKA GMP uh, qualified vendor. So that's pretty exciting for, for Mass Herbal. The next, I don't know about next show, but I, we are definitely going to be getting into it very soon, is I'm going to be taking a deep dive into the Mississippi uh, story. They have their Louds County Anti-Drug Task Force, I think they're called, but they're going city to city, county to county, banning Kratom, using junk science and propaganda, and their numbers don't make sense. And they haven't released any type of autopsy reports or uh, toxicology reports or coroners, uh, medical examiners or autopsies. So I'm going to be FOIA requesting that. And if you want to support us doing work like that, investigative journalism, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Kratom Guys Show. There you can support that work. Um, and then you actually have a say in the, the types of stories that we're going to be doing. So I was very, very exciting couple of weeks here. I was in um, First Rhode Island, February 26th, for the uh, HB 7289 bill. That one's really interesting because Kratom is currently illegal in Rhode Island. And this was a hearing for Representative Kennedy's KCPA, which uh, is basically being on hold for further review. So I was uh, pretty disappointed that it was only myself and the AKA reps, Dr. Jack Henningfield, uh, Mac Haddow, and Kurt Bramble, uh, Utah Senator, where they have passed the KCPA. Um, so I did get a couple words with, with Mac afterwards, so that will be coming up in the show. And then, so that was February 26th, and then March 3rd, I was in uh, New Hampshire, which I actually, tons of people showed up for that. They were trying to ban Kratom, and it has that was SB 758, and these were both for uh, Health and Human Services Committee meetings. That was a great turnout. I got to talk to Dave Herman from the AKA, and actually got a brief interview with him afterwards. You can also check out that on my on my YouTube channel. Full interview of both. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much what we, what we got going on. The Mississippi one, where the activists from Mississippi, which I'm going to be playing that later on in the show, uh, that was March 2nd, and they had their House and Senate, they had two bills, and those committee meetings happened uh, really close to each other, and basically, same thing in Mississippi, it's being put on hold. They, They have some fierce opposition to keeping Kratom legal there. A lot of people are holding on to this uh, propaganda that it's some kind of evil street drug or something. So it was great to talk to her. But that um, that pretty much does it for the update for me. I'm just trying to crank out as much work as I can. The, the issue I had with the website was the payment processor. The new payment processor, the API wasn't hooking up correctly, but we have that all figured out. So if you'd like to pick up a t-shirt, I'm going to be adding phone cases soon and maybe hats. I'm probably going to wait till next season to add any type of hoodies or anything like that, but we got some killer t-shirts and be on the lookout for those Magnum Opus products. So 
let's get into the the Mac Hatto interview. Okay, like I said, action packed show. So we got Mac Hatto, activist from Mississippi, and then uh, the main interview, the big show, uh, John Bush, who's anarchist voluntarist from Austin. And yeah, that's right. The the music you are listening to is Lion Heights, my buddy Jeremy's band from Austin. And I uh, recently got back in touch with him, and he said I can I can use some of their music. So um, they he's a buddy of mine, and they they did the our um, re grand opening of the food truck when we had the 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 mobile bakery bus in Austin. So um, it was great to reconnect with him, and I'm so glad he allowed me to use uh, his music. So if you like some some really cool reggae, definitely check out their stuff. If you're in Austin, go check out a show. Um, let's get into that interview with Mac. We received a report from an Idaho medical examiner who voluntarily called us, and we convened a conference call, which Senator Bramble from Utah was on, and he reported to us that the FDA had called him about a death report that he had submitted that included kratom detection. Not unusual, by the way, if people were using it for cessation of opioids. Yeah. So that if they're taking kratom and they're in the middle of that process and they die of an overdose, what's surprising about kratom being there? Uh, he was asked by the FDA, and in fact, they got, he claims they got very insistent that they wanted him to change his report to let it reflect being a kratom-caused death, and he refused. And he complained to his medical examiner's uh, association that the FDA has no business trying to alter the data here to do it. And yet they were insistent that he do it. And he finally told him, no, I'm not going to do it. Wow. Now, if, if that is happening more than just once in Idaho, the FDA is calling up medical examiners and saying, change your death data, then there isn't a single report in America that ought to be relied upon when there's a claim that there's a kratom uh, associated death because the FDA is ginning up the numbers to self-justify their claims about Kratom right now. I think Nick Wing was saying that he saw when he was doing his reporting that he saw like as soon as one medical examiner started to do it then all of a sudden uh, they, they started reporting more after that. As soon as like they found out about it they started including it in more and more reports. That wouldn't be surprising. I mean obviously if the if the issue of the day is to find kratom caused deaths, right? And you're a medical examiner. I went to the National Medical Medical Examiners Association meeting in Florida, and I asked the medical examiners in a panel of people, how many of you are seeing kratom caused deaths? And a number of those examiners said, well, the FDA is saying it's very important. The national lab, the one that the biggest one that does all of the forensics examinations of autopsies, they believe that they, they've instructed people that we're now testing for Kratom and you should report it if it's not. Now I asked them, are you saying that the levels of Kratom that you have, the, the outputs that you've identified in your testing assay is dangerous? Oh no, we can't say that it's gonna kill anybody. We just want them to report it because the FDA eats it up. They love it. So that's what we've got. We've got a cycle here. People well-intentioned because if you believe the FDA, they think Kratom's killing people. And so why wouldn't you, if you're a medical examiner, Check the box and say, I'm going to help the FDA out here. I'm going to report every single death that has Kratom detection. If there are 5 million people in America that are using Kratom as a way to wean off of opioids and or, or completely get off of them, you're going to find Kratom in some of these overdose deaths because people are using it. We should celebrate that rather than demonize it. And that's the problem we're running into right now. So you would, the AKA's had a few big wins this week, this month. Do you want to talk about any of those? Well, the consumers have had a big win. Yeah. Uh, the Kratom consuming public 
we, we had bands that were proposed in Hawaii. That band was defeated, and they've asked us to work with the legislators to enact the Creating Consumer Protection Act. Uh, in South Dakota, they, uh, they moved the bill to the 41st day. There's only 40 days in the session. They killed it in committee, invited us again to learn more about the Creating Consumer Protection Act. Uh, we had, um, in the state of Missouri, the Creating Consumer Protection Act passed out of the House 134 to 6. Uh, that's the overwhelming uh, votes that we get in these legislatures when they look at and see the signs. Dr. Hennyfield's work, the work that's being done by NIDA, it's, it's, it's compelling because people are dying. And so uh, we have a hearing in Mississippi uh, that's going on tomorrow. We've been assured that they're going to stop the ban. Yeah, wait, what, do you, what do you think about Mississippi? I was in Mississippi last week uh, and we talked to numerous legislators and they were, they were stunned once we presented the evidence of how the FDA had misled them. And so... There's also that, that county task force. Uh, there, there is... The Lowndes well, County Task Force. Well, the Lowndes County Task Force is doing what many well-intentioned people are doing around the country. They're taking the talking points from the FDA and they're believing them. And that disinformation campaign has been going on since 2012, or 2010 actually, from the FDA. They're trying to validate their claims against Graydon. They're trying to overreach their authority. And yet we're having all of these states look at this carefully and we're seeing the great examples. I was in San Diego where San Diego County, which has three million people, so it's almost like a state, right? They had proposed a ban and dozens of people stood up that were creative consumers, most of whom were in that space of saying they're trying to wean off opioids and compelling testimony, and it was always the same. Kratom is saving my life. Yeah. Why would you take it from me? And that the, the five supervisors uh, in, in San Diego County were moved by it. And San Diego City banned Kratom in the big wave in 2016. Uh, when I talked to the supervisor who sponsored the Kratom ban, who reversed it, mm -hmm. said, now we want to look at it more broadly, she said, well, I think we can get San Diego County or City to come with us. Oh, nice. So we're, we're moving in the right direction on these things. And it's uh, what, what Senator Bramble did in Utah started a movement in this country. Uh, we saw it happen in Georgia, overwhelming margins of victory in, in uh, Arizona, unanimous in both houses, in Nevada. And now we're seeing in these 21 other states, and you see what Missouri did. This is, this is a movement that is actually going to change the way that we look at a dietary ingredient that has a potential to save people's lives. So how do you think it went today? Uh, hard to tell. I mean, you, you, when you have, we don't see in other states this kind of resistance from the regulatory agency. Uh, this is a unique situation where they're locked and loaded because they banned Kratom early on as part of the wave. The that, seemed, that seemed to happen like overnight. One, one minute I, I had consumers in Rhode Island and then yeah, I, I'm told that there wasn't much public notice. They just kind of rolled it out and it was done, right? Uh, I think a closer examination, particularly in today's world where science is so much more robust, where the evidence is more conclusive and compelling, uh, where the personal stories of people whose lives have been saved, I think that that wouldn't have been enacted at the time. But, you know, it's a bureaucracy. And, and I, was, I was very encouraged by the representative from the health department who truly is interested in finding out whether or not the information they relied upon from the FDA is accurate. And he stated in public testimony that Kratom is highly addictive. It is not, unless it's adulterated. And we have evidence, not from us, but from the National Institutes on Drug Abuse that provides that data that they should be uh, obviously aligned with. So I think that we're going to make some progress with them. And I think Representative Kennedy's bill is going to pass here, as it should, uh, in order to correct this situation, because right now it's a dangerous situation. So that's the interview with Mac. It was great catching up with him. Um, 
I know there's a lot of background noise there, but I just I'm gonna I'm gonna show the interview. Um, we were in out in the middle of the hall, so if you want to see the full video, go to the YouTube channel. And uh, it was it was great to talk to Mac. Uh, he always seemed really busy in in Maryland, and a lot of people were there. And uh, frankly, I was I was pretty nervous uh, to really talk to people. But uh, I talked to people afterwards, and uh, Mac was gone pretty quick. So definitely check out that video. And I'll be uploading the Rhode Island, my Rhode Island testimony. They have it on the Rhode Island site. I'll see if I can link it. Um, if not, I'll put it in the, see if I can link it in the show notes. And I'll have that up on my YouTube channel soon, that, that whole hearing and, and my testimony from that. But next up is our anonymous contributor from Mississippi. She went to both hearings for the Senate and the House. Uh, it's great to see hear a local, um, a local perspective. And after I was already wanted to launch this Mississippi story, but after talking to her, I really want to look into it. I want some answers. I want us all to get some answers about where the hell they're getting these numbers from, because I'm not buying it. We had the, the public hearing um, in Jackson. It was uh, with um, the House and the Senate um, Drug Policy Committees. And we just had, well, the, I guess that was the only hearing. The other one, um, the other meeting I went to was the Senate Drug Policy. Uh, it was their meeting when they was actually voting on the, the bill. And nobody mm-hmm. got to speak in that one. The first one was the public one. It had a lot of people there. How many people do you think showed up? So I think on the on our side it was uh, seventy something, oh, and right. um, the other side the other side didn't have that many, but they had a lot too. Wow. Uh, so it, it seemed like um, that it was that it was really positive that first day, and then everything got dropped the the second day. Uh, do do you do you know what happened? Um, I re- I really don't. Um. I think uh I think the um the chairman of the uh Judiciary B committee I think it was I think he just didn't know enough about it and um was just wanting I, I think I saw a tweet that said he just wanted both sides to kind of work something out so they just didn't take any action on it Okay so do you know what that means as far as they didn't take any action like is it going to be called again when they go into session again is that a couple of months from now um, or no it's dead uh all of them just just died so it's just the same as it was so that means that they're the the Lowes county task force is going to continue just to go town to town trying to yeah. ban it i imagine so yeah <laughs> jeez um do you want to just do you want to just give a quick rundown of of the day that there was the public hearing um kind of like you know when you when you showed up when you guys talked what you talked about any, anything like that in jackson yeah oh yeah it was um well i was very surprised we had a lot of um we had a lot of support we had a lot of uh, mississippi citizens come and that's that was really hard because mississippi's so rural and spread out it's just hard for people to get together and and show up and all these weird places but Jackson was great it was nice to see everybody show up for that and um, representative Vernon Jones was awesome 
he um, he actually consumed kratom in front of the task force, and that <laughs> everybody just wanted to everybody wanted to cheer and stuff, but we we didn't because we had already done that once and got told not to do that. And then Dr. <laughs> Henningfield was there, and you know I look up to him so much, so it was just a, a really good meeting. Nice, yeah, I. Uh... Yeah, I met Jack the the first time when I was in in uh, Maryland, and it was some type of like weird fanboy stuff. I was like, "Oh my God, it's Jack Henningfield!" <laughs> yeah, that was that was how I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you want to talk about anything about um, what you said in your public hearing, or something that maybe like as soon as it was done, you're like, "Oh, I wish I did that different," or "I wish I talked about something different." Well, actually, in that one, I didn't, I didn't speak because there was only limited time. So we tried to let some of the ones um, that we haven't heard from, you know, come and speak. Gotcha. I originally started the show to basically update my text list about the different strains I'm selling. And it turned into mm-hmm. this, this whole uh, podcast <laughs> where a lot of new people find the show. So what would you say to someone that's new, they just got into this, they, they, they just started consuming Kratom, they're, they're, they're thinking about consuming Kratom, and like all of a sudden they're hearing about all these bands and they're thinking about going to a public hearing. You know, what, would you say, what would you say to somebody like that? I would say, well, first do research on both sides, know what you're taking, all that. Don't, don't just take something without knowing what it is. Um, so educate yourself first and then just try not to be nervous. I know that is, that's easier said than done. Um, but it's a lot better if you just be yourself and just tell your personal story. Like you cannot go wrong with that. Like there are people and just show them that you're one too. Nice. Yeah. I like that advice. Um, yeah, I was so nervous my first time giving testimony and like I, I was telling people in New Hampshire that um, I'm like, even if you go up there and say, yep, I, I agree with all these people. Kratom really helps me. I think it's safe. I'm like, that's it. That's all you have to say. Just go yeah. up and say, say something on, on your behalf. Right, right. So there you have it. The interview from Mississippi. And now would be a good time to give away some candid. So, again, big thank you to Candid Kratom uh, for sponsoring the show. And they're really enabling me to do a lot more work that I want to do, bring you guys more content, and um, really help escalate my my business to another level. That's um, along with my brother-in-law and his fiance, who's also given us some mobile movie equipment so uh from we make movies.org his company or their company so yeah let's give let's give away some candid we got let's do the email list again so join up the newsletter at mass herbal market and we will pick a two people to give it away give away some candid candid orange flavored kratom samples um in a couple weeks i'll, I'll post the date on my twitter so this next interview with John Bush was was really great. It was really nice to talk to somebody that's kind of on the same wavelength and essentially wants people to leave each other alone. And it seems like he's doing he's doing a great thing in Austin. 
um, selling Kratom to people all over the country. And we talk uh, business and um, kind of the um, what he's got going on, some of the, some of the obstacles he's faced in business, and how he got into Kratom. So uh, great interview. Next up is the interview with John Bush. This week on the show, very special guest, so excited for John Bush of Brave Botanicals. Uh, over the past 17 years, he's been involved in various organizations and efforts aimed at creating greater peace and freedom in our world. He was there at, at September 2016, uh, Kratom Rally in Austin, when the DEA tried to make Kratom illegal. John was there standing up with dozens of Kratom activists. John began his career in activism in 2002, questioning the official count of what happened at 9-11 and speaking out against the wars in the Middle East. He was introduced to libertarianism by the good Dr. Ron Paul in 2007. After dealing with chronic fatigue and constant discomfort for years, he began exploring natural remedies for his health problems. His first, he says, his first big aha moment came when, under the direction of his neuropath, uh, beat a major throat infection, nebulizing colloidal silver. It was then that he finally understood the power of the human body, has the ability to heal itself, given the proper nutrients, and when the help, with the help of natural remedies. Years later, he took over a bookstore, natural health shop called Brave New Books in Austin, and began supplying the local community with a wide variety of natural and often controversial supplements. It was at that time that he discovered Kratom, and he says that it changed his life. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So good to have you. I am really glad to have you on. I actually lived in Austin for a little bit, but I never got the chance to get over to Brave New Books. I've heard of it, um, and that's kind of like where I began my uh, libertarianism or anarchist kind of views, uh, I guess when I was in Austin, or maybe a little bit before. Why don't we uh, get into a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, why you do it, all that stuff. Uh, sure. And as you mentioned in your bio, I was an anti-war activist uh, in the early, I guess it was the second invasion of Iraq, but uh, something didn't sit well with me in regards to the official story of 9-11, so I started researching that and came to discover a bunch of lies by the federal government. And there's just more lies when it comes to Kratom and natural supplements. Uh, I learned about libertarianism, a political philosophy that really stuck with me, basically the idea that we should leave each other alone and it's immoral to initiate aggression, whether it's private people or a government initiating aggression. Um, and that really had a big impact on me. learned about anarchism and voluntarism, and there's a whole movement of people that are just – working to actually create a free society that's based on voluntary cooperation and mutual benefit, not coercion and control and top-down hierarchies. Right. And along that way, um, through that kind of activism, I started really focusing on what I can do in my own life to create more freedom, not just begging politicians or protesting. And that really just opened up a whole new world for me, not only what I can do in my own life to create more freedom, uh, from government, but also to create freedom from chronic health problems or just to live a more balanced life in a holistic way. And I learned about natural remedies and I was able to combat and cure some infections and stuff without having to go to the doctor. 
uh, using Coil Silver, for example, which we sell on our website. And then um, took over this bookstore, like you said, and that's when I learned about Kratom. One of my friends was selling Kratom, and we and we carried it in our shop. And I took it myself, and really it helped a lot with stress, anxiety, and focus. But really the big impact was in seeing how Kratom changed the lives of many of the, of my customers and how they were able to play with their kids again or their grandchildren. They were able to kick a, a major addiction for several years. And uh, being an activist, that really stuck with me. So I'm really grateful to be in this business that not only can I, you know, provide for my, my family, my children, but I'm also uh, doing good in the world and, and helping people. Nice. Yeah, man. It's great to hear. Before we go any further, let's let's tell people, I know you, that you have a special deal going on right now with the free ounce, but where they can find you either at your store or online and this deal you got going on. Yeah. Um, so the website is mybravebotanicals.com. That's our company, Brave Botanicals. We offer high quality kratom imported from Indonesia along with CBD. We actually just added CBD flour so people can get an eighth or a quarter of some really high quality silver haze. CBD flower. But as we'll talk about later in the interview, uh, it's really difficult to be in the Kratom industry. I've had my Facebook advertising account shut down, YouTube videos censored, and of course, all the payment problems with credit cards and stuff. So I figured one way to kind of work around that, all the censorship, was to help people learn about Kratom was just to give it away for free. So I started a, uh, a website, a landing page where people can get an ounce of green Kratom and all they got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling. So if somebody wanted to try some Kratom for the first time or uh, try some different Kratom, they go to freeounceofkratom.com, freeounceofkratom.com. And then all you got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling, and we'll send you an ounce to try. And then I just started doing a whole series of interviews as an effort to get around all this censorship on social media and stuff. And, um, it's done well. And so far, we've given away over 800 free ounces to people. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so people can check that out. Nice. So, yeah, I, I know you're – and I've been asked this question, too. Uh, you're more of a libertarian anarchist, and people get really the wrong idea of anarchism. I, I My definition is no rulers, not – not no hierarchy. It's not. It doesn't mean people aren't going to work together, and they're going to be killing each other in the street. It's more um, just people are not going to be violently ruling over you. So, with that in mind, what's do you have like do you have rules upon that you when you're selling it? Um, are you verifying ages? Are uh, are you for the Kratom Protection Act that's being rolled out? Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's cool. We get to talk about anarchism too, because that's like my passion. You know, usually I just talk about kratom. Um, yeah, I, anarchy doesn't mean chaos or disorder or people wearing black masks, throwing Molotov cocktails at World Trade Organization protests, right? It, it means without rulers. Government actually means to rule over, right? To be governed is to be ruled over, and then anarchy is without hierarchy. However, I would say without coercive hierarchy, some more left-leaning anarchists would want to do away with hierarchy altogether, but one could exist in an anarchist society that doesn't have coercive, top-down controlling hierarchies. Coercion means someone's forced to do something against their will through fear or threat of violence. You can still have a business or company 
You may not have a corporation, however, because a corporation is an instrument of government that has certain privileges, but I digress. So I believe in uh, self-responsibility, personal responsibility, and um, I'm a big proponent of the free market. And I believe that when you couple free market with personal responsibility, you have industries that can effectively regulate themselves, whether through consumers doing their due diligence, whether through rating um, like Amazon has their star rating. No one's going to buy something from a three-star vendor when they could get it from a five-star vendor or four-and-a-half stars. eBay has a wonderful mechanism of accountability. And this is private, right? You don't need government for this. Uh, they have a wonderful mechanism of accountability with their ratings and review systems. Also, absent government, there's industry associations that already exist and that can form. One example is like the non-GMO stuff. A lot of people are against gen- genetically modified organisms. Yeah, I avoid them myself, my personal life. But as a try to be a consistent anarchist, I wouldn't advocate for legislation that required labeling of GMOs. And to the contrary, there's already institutions and nonprofits like the Non-GMO Project and several others that are already doing that on a private basis. So to answer your question, I do not support on the surface the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. However, when it comes to the alternative in some cases, which is to ban or prohibit Kratom, I see the Kratom Consumer Protection Act as a great defense against that. However, the American Kratom Association isn't only using it as a defensive measure. They are going in and proactively introducing it into as many states as they can. Texas, for one, which in Texas, there's no regulation against Kratom. I've never heard of any Kratom, any cases where people are like taking fentanyl-laced Kratom here in Texas. I think that's right. extremely rare. I think it's a lot of fear-mongering. It's like a good headline to run with. So I, I asked the American Kratom Association, replying to one of their emails and on their Facebook page, and they never responded. But I was like, why are you guys introducing this in Texas? Things are cool here in Texas. Consumers are responsible, and there's a, a whole network of great vendors here that are a lot of you know choices based here in Austin, Texas. Everyone's doing their due diligence and doing good work. So one of the things in the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, not only does it open up the door for regulation, and once the government gets their grubby hands on the industry, they're just going to add more fees and more red tape, and prices are going to go up, and people are going to go out of business, and it's going to be harder. But it also regulates the the content of uh, 7-hydroxymitragrinine, right? The two active components. There's several different alkaloids, but the two main ones are mitragrinine and then 7-hydroxymitragrinine. The 7-hydroxymitragrinine has been found by, like, Dr. Christopher McCurdy to be a little more addictive. So maybe that's why there's reasoning behind it. But they say that it can only have a certain concentration of 7-hydroxymitragrinine, and that's just interfering with the natural plant and, and adding all this unnecessary stuff. Plus, I assume in order to in order to ensure that you don't reach that alkaloid content, every single batch of kratom or every kratom bit of kratom sold will have to be tested for the purity and the concentration of the alkaloids which, you know, maybe some of these huge Kratom vendors can afford that, but that would be really hard for a lot of smaller vendors that are working up towards becoming a bigger business. And I'm not a fan of it, but like I said, if it's if it's between banning Kratom and regulating Kratom with the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, yes. But in a state like Texas, where there's no threat of regulation or banning Kratom at all, it's not even on the lawmaker's radar, as it shouldn't be then I don't see a point of introducing it besides opening up Pandora's box for government interference. Right. Yeah, I was talking about that with uh, Brian from Kratom Science. He was he asked me pretty much the same question 
I think I fall in the same category where I, I compared it to um, marijuana legalization when, you know, I, and I, I'm just against um, violence being used against peaceful people who haven't harmed anybody. So, yeah. Um, now we're so, talking. Yeah. The, uh, so I'm all, when, when there's already laws on the books and those are to use violence against peace, peaceful people, you know, I, I, I of course want all out, uh, legalization or, um, you know, the, like you said, the free market regulating themselves. But, you know, it's, it's a step to get there. So decriminalization, then medical, then recreational. Um, but yeah, I think you're right where it's, um, when there's no threat of it, like, and I, I told him about this as well in Massachusetts, you know, I, I thought about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I, I should be the one to bring it, uh, to here to protect Kratom. But then looking at it, there's nothing in Massachusetts. Um, there, there's no threat of a ban or anything. So kind of like, why would I bring attention to it where it could be perceived as negative? Um, to bring you know to introduce this law when it's not really needed yeah and they'd be like well why do we need to regulate kratom is there something to worry about here and i just pulled it up as we're on the phone the kratom consumer protection act that passed in utah and it's like section 444108 registration of kratom products the department shall set a fee to register a kratom product and then there's a fine if you don't register with the government Assess the fine described in Section 3A against any person who offers an unregistered Kratom product for sale in this state. The department may seize and destroy any unregistered Kratom products. It's just bad news bears all the way around. So, And I think the American Kratom Association, I appreciate the work that they do, and I think that they are noble and virtuous. I do think that they've engaged in some fear-mongering with the goal of uh, fundraising in certain Certain times they've, you know, led with some pretty strong headlines. Yeah. And then they also have this tendency to like, uh, it's the same thing that we experienced in the Ron Paul campaign in 2008, where the grassroots Ron Paul revolution, as we called it, was like just gung ho, completely decentralized, not taking marching orders. And they're like just knocking on doors and making signs with spray paint and putting them out all over town. Not spray painting, I should say, but making signs with spray paint stencils in a garage. And then there was the central party, the actual corporation that, you know, the Ron Paul for president campaign entity. And sometimes there was tension between the two. And I've seen the American Kratom Association when, like, a state is talking about banning Kratom. And they're like, hold on, don't anybody do anything until we give marching orders. Like, yeah, that's not that. healthy for activism. It's just, you like, you got to just let people have this nice organic grassroots push, not try to control it and like be the leader of it you know yeah i and uh i i I talked to a lot of people in the industry on a lot of advocates and consumers and people were getting kind of freaked out in utah when they were trying to ban it and they were just waiting to hear what the aka did like no nobody wanted to do anything and then i heard that finally some activists got in got in the loop and started meeting with their representatives and um, I guess that that was the outcome is the Kratom Consumer Protection Act instead of a ban. I think the AKA, you said that they're doing great work, but it's times that, yeah, there's just some type of disconnect, I think. Um, and I, I really just promote of everybody kind of taking it into their own hands and yeah. um, trying to, trying well, to do it again. Either or. 
you can have right. the suit and ties and the paid lobbyists that are like experts and they sit down and, you know, they do it all official like. And then you can have the crazy, angry mob that's like <laughs> protesting outside of the congressman's door kind of deal. I think they just have like mission creep. And that's a problem with organization. It's, this is a problem with bureaucracies, too. Uh, they just have to have a sense of purpose. They have to keep themselves busy. And so AKA probably has like a big they probably have several staff people in an office now, and in order to, you know, maintain a purpose for existence, they are, like, expanding their reach into states that aren't even trying to prohibit Kratom, you know, and so now they can put out an email, it's like, we're going to introduce the Kratom Consumer Protection Act in 20 states next year, so we need to raise enough money to have lobbyists in all those areas so we can grow our organization, right? And so I wish they would just kind of stay in their lane and, and focus on combating the the prohibition but whatever i'm not going to spend you know too much energy because they are doing good work and we're all on the same team after all and at the end of the day if if the kratom consumer protection act passes and there's a few more regulations that make it a little bit harder to to do business then we'll just have to level up and and meet those regulations and just continue on yeah definitely i agree is brave's new books still around i know you guys i read that your landlord uh, didn't renew the lease at the one building. I don't know if you guys reopened or this is all online right now or what. So uh, Brave New Books was passed back to the previous owner, and I'm not sure what his plans are with it. It may just be dormant. Um, but Brave Botanicals kind of grew out of Brave New Books because, really, people weren't buying books. They weren't buying books for a while, you know, because the Amazon and stuff. And mainly it was a meeting space and we sold natural health products. That's what kept the doors open. And Kratom started to become a really big portion of our revenue. So uh, Brave New Books, I guess, is dormant right now. But Brave Botanicals is – we're online-based and then we're in about five or six stores here in Texas. Oh, nice. That's normally one of my first questions, but I got a little carried away. Uh, what got you into Kratom? It was running the bookstore. A friend of mine started started packaging it and wanted me to sell it at the store, so I sold it. I think we had it a little overpriced at first, and so no one really bought it. But then when the government tried to ban Kratom, it was like, wait a second. Maybe I should give this a try. What's going on? There must be something cool about it. So I tried it myself, and at first it was just kind of like recreational, or I just wanted to experience what it was like, and it felt really good. So I thought that was kind of cool. It wasn't until a few months later that I took it to help with stress and anxiety. Um, I was, uh, the mother of my kids and I, we lived in a school bus for a while, converted school bus, and we, we would take it around the country doing uh, cryptocurrency promotion where we would spend Bitcoin only or crypto only on like two month long road trips. Really cool, nice. fun stuff. But, and we were funded by sponsors and we would do podcasts and write articles for Bitcoin Magazine and other outlets. And we also had our two young kids with us. They must have been two and four at the time. And uh, I was the only driver of the bus. And I also had podcast responsibilities and obligations. And I had to keep the kids happy and just, you know, get us to our next destination for a meetup. And it was really stressful. And uh, there were some bills I had to pay back at home. I hadn't had time to do some currency conversion and do some accounting and stuff. And then I had a couple podcasts that I was backed up on. So I really started getting stressed out one night when I was driving the bus. And I had to get to the next destination, but I couldn't stop to do all that work. And I had such anxiety that I had, like, tightness in my chest. And it's only happened to me, like, twice in my life. I'm generally not too stressed out, um, but this was really stressful and anxious. And so I remembered, like, hey, I have some Kratom that I brought on the trip. Why don't I go make some of that up? Maybe it'll help. 
And so I put a teaspoon in some water and drank it. And immediately as I started drinking it, the anxiety and the tension, the physical tension in my chest went away immediately. And not only that, this was the big eureka for me, but not only did I, my physiological symptoms go away from the anxiety, but I also, like my mindset shifted from that of scarcity and fear to that of like, it's okay, we're doing great work. Everyone that sponsored us appreciates what we're doing and everyone understands that we're on the road. So maybe podcasts might be a day or two late. We're, this is cool, you know, we're doing great work. And it was one of appreciation and abundance rather than this fear and scarcity. And that was like a really big eureka moment for me. But again, that was just me taking it. And then what really blew it away for me and got me fully committed was seeing people come off of heroin and use Kratom to get clean and people, uh, kicking the Adderall, for example, or quitting drinking thanks to Kratom. That's really what got me passionate about it. Nice. Yeah, I I use it for, I mean, it's a great mood booster, but I use it for back and hip pain. But originally I used it to get off of, uh, I was on Suboxone and then on buprenorphine. So I used it to help my, that and medical cannabis to get off of uh, buprenorphine. Um, nice. But yeah, I started uh, promoting, kind of like sharing it with friends and family, uh, and then actually my first sales were I posted it on Craigslist and see if I could sell it, which that was cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's truly incredible what what the plant is. I know like a lot of my customers and a lot of yours use it to uh, overcome some type of addiction, and I, I know that I saw that you guys have um, a recovery group. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, so I realized quickly that many of my customers are formerly addicted or struggling with addiction currently. And I think there's even customers that are still addicted and they use Kratom kind of to normalize things, maybe so they can go to work or something. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I realized that it's the Kratom is just like a surface level solution. Um, there's this Dr. Gabor Mate, and I subscribe to his theory in regards to addiction. And in almost all cases, people become, some people become addicted because they get in a car accident or something. They're prescribed opioids, and they develop a tolerance. And some people even develop a tolerance, and the oxycotton's not doing it for them, so they move on to heroin. Uh, that's one route. But a lot of people become addicted because they have trauma in their childhood, and whatever drug it is helps to numb that rather than face it and so there's a lot of kind of root causes that I think are often overlooked so I wanted to start this group the Brave New You uh, addiction recovery support group or Brave New You recovery support group uh, just to create a safe space for people to come and kind of build community and support one another to kind of work through this more than just taking Kratom, but kind of trying to strike the root and heal from some of these deeper wounds. That's awesome. Um, so that's a group you guys, you guys meet in Austin or is that online or what? It's online. I'd like to do meetups in Austin um, sometime in the future, but right now it's a Facebook group. Okay. Uh, people can search Brave New You Recovery Support Group in the search bar there and it'll it'll show up. Nice. Yeah, I was looking for something something different than I, like I noticed. 
I mean, it might have just been my experience. I didn't promote it enough or something. But um, something a little bit more anonymous that I, I was looking for. Like Facebook, you can reach so many people. But I found something like a recovery group. People are really apprehensive to joining because uh, it kind of it can show up on their page, like what what they're doing, what what group they belong to. I've noticed that as well. Um, there's not a ton of people in the group. It is set to private. So I don't think it will show up that people have joined. Um, I think that's one of the features of a private group. But, yeah, there's a lot of shame. And, unfortunately, there's this, I don't know, it's kind of like a scarlet letter. And then people's family members and friends make it even more difficult. I've always tried to adopt the philosophy, not only with people that struggle with addiction, but with all sorts of life problems. That's like we just need to be gentle with ourselves and gentle with one another because, like, life can be really hard especially if you had a rough childhood and stuff and just people struggle it's a struggle you know and and being nasty about it or shaming someone or putting someone down or looking down on someone because they have a problem with drugs doesn't help anybody you know yeah how much how much do you think this uh you're saying scarlet scarlet letter or the shame that comes along with it is because drugs are illegal um, probably a good chunk. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, for example, you know, cannabis is being legalized and there's less of a stigma around it. Um, a, a lot of people even in my network and, and older generations are hesitant to even try CBD just because it's like, I have someone really close to me, super duper close to me. And I, I get her like CBD for Christmas and stuff. And it's just, she never uses it. <laughs> So I stopped getting her CBD products, but uh, I think that has something to do with it. But, you know, it's like there's people that drink regularly and they still hold a job and, you know, they don't drink and get angry and, like, abuse their family. I think it's all just in, in the type of use, right? There's people that use cocaine recreationally, you know, a few times a month or when they go out to the clubs or whatever. But then there's people that abuse alcohol and become nasty when they're drunk or wasted or get in car accidents. And, you know, it's all people like heroin's a really, really tough one. It's, it's hard to use that one recreationally, I imagine, without it being some sort of uh, numbing agent. And then, you know, people, people come hardcore addicted to that and they lose their possessions and lose their job and so on and so forth. So I think it's, it's more like the situation rather than it is the drug or the drug being illegal per se. But if it was legalized, it, it would be easier to help people through this kind of stuff. And it wouldn't be like go down to the dark alley and get it. It could be like safe space or there could be shops where people get stuff. And I mean, that already happens in many countries. And, and now it's starting to happen with cannabis and mushrooms and stuff, too. Yeah, Portugal and Uruguay, they've seen they've decriminalized all drugs and see a decrease in um, uh, overdoses and drug use in general um and then we're seeing yeah. that we're seeing that too with the states that are uh that have medical cannabis up to a 33 percent decrease in uh opioid overdoses and opioid uh prescription rate yeah it's, it's it's no wonder that there's such resistance to cannabis legalization i think the tide has just turned so much that the the special interests aren't able to push back they're still pushing back here in texas of course which is a more conservative state but it's so helpful, these plant medicines, whether it's Kratom, CBD, THC, medical cannabis, 
or even like mushrooms or ayahuasca for yeah. people that are like really uncovering trauma and trying to face some of that stuff and have epiphanies about their lives and stuff. It's just so powerful and so natural and so safe uh, that it just is, you know, tenfold better solution than pharmaceuticals or antidepressants. In the, you know, in the case of comparing ayahuasca and doing some meditation compared to taking serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you know, it's so much more effective, but there's not a lot of money in it. So right. it's no wonder that the government is pushing back so much. And it's not just the government. It's the special interest in cooperation with the government. It's yuck. But thankfully, the tide's turning. And we got the Internet and we got people like you doing um, alternative media and like everyone's just pushing back. So it's only a matter of time. Hopefully. We just launched the store recently, uh, Mass Herbal Market. So I didn't even try to do PayPal or Square because I knew everyone was getting shut down. And mm -hmm. you, men you mentioned that you lost your uh, payment processing. So maybe we can talk about some obstacles that you're facing in business and what you're doing to overcome them. Cool. I'm looking at your website now. I, I like this uh, picture that you have right here in the front. It's really cool looking, Mass Herbal. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, I've been doing Kratom for about three years. And in that time, before I completely lost access to debit and credit card, I went through about nine different solutions. Originally, I had a credit card terminal in store and the payments would come in. Actually, originally I had PayPal and like Stripe through my Shopify store. I think it was Stripe or Square. Mm -hmm. And then they caught wind of it. So they shut me down. And then... I had PayPal. They shut me down early on. Then I was doing an offline credit card where you capture securely the customer's credit card info. Half of it goes to the back end of your website. Half of it goes to your email. So someone would have to hack both the email and the website in order to get the full credit card info. And then I would enter it manually on my credit card terminal. Then the credit card terminal company got wise to that. So they set us up with a different credit card company vendor. And then we didn't have the store, so now it was online only. And so I had a Square account. That got shut down. I had my roommate's Square account. He was gracious enough to let me use his Square account. That got shut down. Then I had this great hack using uh, uh, Cash App. And so I would capture the credit card offline. And then I would send myself a Cash App link Sorry, for a while I was using PayPal, so I used my girlfriend's PayPal account. This this is something I did with my PayPal account, too, before it got shut down. So I would capture the credit card number offline. Then I would send myself an email to a few different dummy email accounts. I had, like, three or four different dummy email accounts that I would rotate between because there's some semblance <laughs> of randomness. And so I would send myself a PayPal invoice to one of these email accounts, and I would take the customer's credit card and enter it into the PayPal invoice. And this was, like, you know – this is obviously skirting their stuff, but it was still secure. I've always been really uh, on top of security for my customers. So I was the only one that ever messed with the credit card. And then one of my employees did, or one of my uh, contractors did at one point, but it was always only trusted people. And it was always only PayPal. Then you know, the credit card number would go to PayPal. It wasn't some, anything sketchy. And then PayPal caught on to that. And then I had this other hack with Cash App where they don't do this anymore, but Cash App used to have not only the app where someone has to have the Cash App app, which is similar to Venmo, and then they send it to you via Cash App, but Cash App, you could have a Cash App link. 
So I would get the credit card info offline, and then I would go into the Cash App, and I would use a VPN with a different IP address, and I would enter the card info on the Cash App, and it would go to my Cash App account. Then the Cash App link stopped working, so I would send them my Cash App thing, and then I got shut down on Cash App, and so it's just been a mess. Now I have Venmo. I used to have Venmo listed as a payment option, but I I like I use Venmo to pay my partner when we split dinner or to pay my dad for gas when he picks me up or whatever. So I don't want to lose Venmo in my personal life, but sometimes customers, I can have them pay on Venmo, but I don't have a list on my website. So it was about four months ago when maybe five or six months ago, actually, I think it must have been. January or February of, of 2019, when I formally was like, you know what, I'm going to tr- stop trying all this crazy stuff. And I'm just going to lean heavy into e-check. And so I started, I learned that an e-check, for those that aren't familiar, is uh, electronic check. And you sen- simply enter your routing number and your checking account number, and then it basically drafts an electronic account. And it actually, they and the company, Green Payment Processing, it's green.money, they have an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau. They actually print out a check and send it to my uh, checking account, to my to my bank. Every day they do that, they overnight it. And so that's super safe and secure. And I really found that a lot of people were hesitant about that, even though I believe it's safer than a credit card or debit card, because um, anyone can get access to your credit card or debit card number and then go enter it online in, in online payment platforms. But if they have your checking account and routing number, there's nothing they can do with it so long as they don't, like, make a fake check, which is pretty federal felony. Yeah. Um, and so I just educated people about the safety and security of e-check, and that's been a popular payment method. Of course, cryptocurrency. Um, I accept Bitcoin, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin. However, people only use really uh, Bitcoin Dash and then a little bit of Bitcoin Cash. But a funny story, I had a payment processor, a Bitcoin payment processor that generates an invoice. So it's a plug-in that you use with WooCommerce. Even they shut me down out of fear. So I don't know if you're not familiar, if your listeners aren't familiar, all of this stems from a a Obama-era Department of Justice program called Operation Choke Points whereby the federal government said that they were aiming to stop money laundering for terrorists, and they were really starting to target the, uh, like, payday lending industry and, like, title loans. But really what it grew into was simply the federal government putting pressure on what they deem undesirable industries. So the federal government puts pressure on the banks, which in turn put pressure on the credit card companies to not process transactions for Kratom, CBD, firearms, adult toy stores. I'm like, these are all my favorite industries here, <laughs> and uh, we have the federal government making it hard to do business. So that's where we're at right now. There was a bill that got introduced in Congress, and I believe it passed the Congress, or maybe it passed out of committee, but it didn't go anywhere else after that. It may have actually passed, passed and I don't know if it got signed, but it was going to investigate this uh, Operation Choke Point and try to put a stop to it, mainly for the cannabis industry. And of course, in the cannabis industry, a lot of people have to use cash-only which creates an opportunity for them to be robbed. It's really unsafe. So that's that's where we're at. So right now I accept e-check. And I do this thing called Trusted Buyer Program where people can I can store their checking and routing info on the back end of green dot money, which, again, is totally safe and secure. Then when they come to check out in the future, all they have to do is just select Trusted Buyer Program. They don't have to enter their info, or they can even text me or send me an email, and I'll set it up that way. Um, but it's been a lot of hurdles. 
I had a massive drop in revenue the first four months that I wasn't accepting debit card until I realized that I need to be educating people about eCheck and warming them up to eCheck. So it's not like eCheck, what the heck is that? And then they just leave the website. And then also at that time, I launched my free ounce offer, which really exposed a lot of people, brought in a lot of new customers. And I started doing some pretty uh, aggressive marketing via interviews and stuff. What, what, how, so how do people pay on your website? So right now it's um, direct bank transfer, um, yeah, e-check, or uh, COD, cash on, cash on delivery. So I set up a eight-mile radius where – and that's where a lot of my business comes from is local deliveries. Um, and that's oh, where right I, on. Yeah, that's where I really try to concentrate on. Um so yeah, they can go on, check out as as normal, and then set up in the um, in the purchase notes about their their delivery window, and it will it's a same thing a WooCommerce plugin that determines where they are based on their address, and it will give them the uh, delivery rates. Oh wow! I didn't. Uh, you'll have to share that the name of that plugin with me because I I do delivery, but it's only about like three of my regular customers for a while, maybe three or four, and they usually buy kilos or half kilos. I don't do smaller deliveries because I don't know, maybe it's different for you, but traffic is hell in Austin, but that's cool that you can set that up. I like, um, it's such a difficult industry to be in, but I think people are so passionate about Kratom that they're willing to jump through all these hoops and it's like a puzzle. It's kind of fun, even though it was hell and stressful to have to jump through all these debit card hoops, but it was always like a like a game to come up with the latest solution or to make the easy whatever. But yeah, yeah. I'm looking at your site. This is a uh, I like your checkout setup. It looks really simple and clean. Thank you. Appreciate that. So besides uh, credit card processing, any other business obstacles um, or any type of entrepreneurial strategies or anything you want to you want to share because um i know myself is just starting out an online herbal shop um something that you know anything that you might be facing or doing that's working uh for somebody that's you know just starting out yeah um marketing was very difficult advertising early on i was able to advertise when i had the bookstore and the advertisements went great. And it was basically just a video of me talking about Kratom. Uh, that went really well. But quickly, uh, Facebook started cracking down on Kratom advertisements. Although I do see one company that has sponsored ads, and they're a really sharp company. I don't know how they got through it. They look like super high-tech, really uh, legit company. Uh, they have really nice processing facilities that they have in their little advertisement. But uh, most people can't advertise on Facebook. I've had YouTube videos pulled down. An entire YouTube account was shut down. And that's why I started the free ounce offer. It's one of the reasons why I started the free ounce offer, uh, to kind of circumvent this censorship that was going on. Because um, a free ounce reaches a lot of people. It's an exciting thing. It's simple. It's low risk. Uh, so that was one of the things that led me to do this free ounce. And then Rather than rely on the social media marketing channels, which I can't use at all, I decided to go direct to reach people via interviews, um, which hopefully this interview will reach people. And then I got interviewed on the Tom Woods show, Robert Scott Bell, big naturopath guy, and then uh, the survival podcast with Jack Spierko. I have two other interviews I'm doing today. So I'm doing, I'm trying to just reach people directly to share the story 
And then another big hurdle is like you talk to people about Kratom or they see your post on Facebook and then they go and Google Kratom. And what do they find? Just a bunch of crap. Like I'm Googling Kratom right now. Let's see what the headlines are. Drug facts. It's from drugabuse.org. Kratom is not currently in legal assessments and has been easy to order on the Internet. It's sometimes sold as green powder, labeled not for human consumption. Uh, what is Kratom? Why does the DEA want to ban it? WebMD, that's all against it. Kratom, unsafe and ineffective from the Mayo Clinic. Healthline, Kratom, is it safe? I've seen their stuff. Of course, they're going to say, no, it's not. And then there's an the FDA stuff here. And so it's all just be at, you finally get down to Kratom risk obscured by soft data. So that's probably a positive article. And then here's a Chris, Christopher McCurdy. Um, but at any given time, especially after the FDA puts out some of their false propaganda BS and then the, and then all of the mainstream media covers it, then the, then you Google Kratom and it's like, Kratom associated with 91 deaths and Kratom, the herbal killer, and like all these sensationalist headlines. So really hard to overcome that, which is why, again, I prefer reaching people directly when they'll give me some time to talk to them. Also, I prefer doing these radio interviews because people that ha – obviously, people in your audience have heard about Kratom, but doing an interview with people that haven't really heard about Kratom or they heard something weird about it, it gives a great opportunity to really flush it out and uh, share. So those are some of the hurdles and I'm overcoming them by reaching people directly and then doing this no risk, like, Hey, why don't you just try Kratom for free? And then you can see what it's like for yourself. I'm, I'm waiting to see like what, what's going to happen. Cause I know like uh, there's that new one that I think it's run on uh BitTorrent library. And I, th I thought this shoot was going to be good. But that seems like the comment section is loaded with uh, racists and anti-Semites. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Was, oh, you mean it, social media? Yeah. Like, what's going to be, you know, like back in the day, Facebook, you could reach anybody for a while. I guess I didn't get on it on time, but apparently Instagram, the organic reach is really good. So I, I'm wondering, like, what's YouTube? Everybody, I, I started going to YouTube for the, in, the independent investigative journalists that were doing work there. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, where, I, I guess, yeah, uh, doing, doing all types of interviews on other people's shows is a great way to expose yourself and your company to, to newer, new, new markets, new audience. Yep. Uh, and some of the, you know, it's good to go old school too. Like I just started doing direct mail. I sent my first direct mail postcard out. It was a Christmas card with my little Kratom man logo and like a Christmas tree with a bunch of piles of Kratom underneath it. Um, that went well. And then just going out into the community at farmer's markets, hosting events, doing booths at trade shows like CBD trade shows or natural health expos. And you just yeah. kind of circumvent the social media stuff altogether and reach people directly. It takes a lot of work, but it's really potent stuff. Nice. Yeah, I'd love to sell CBD. Um, but uh, Massachusetts, essentially they went with the hemp rules of the current FDA regulations. So basically, they're like, we have medical and recreational cannabis, and you can, you can buy and sell CBD products through them, or they're allowing people to sell, like, topicals, clothing, and seeds right now, if without a oh uh, license, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to start selling flour. We have, uh, know, a couple of great growers in Vermont and even Massachusetts that are growing excellent flour, but... You can't sell it in its raw form, so it really sucks. Man, oh, man.
So I know uh, you guys led a, a protest or a march in Austin 2016 uh, when they were trying to ban it. Um, anything I mean, like you want to talk about how that all came to be and anything that maybe a Kratom activist or Kratom consumer can do to kind of get in the in the mix and help out? Uh, yeah, when when they were the DEA was talking about banning kratom, adding adding to Schedule One, a lot of people really worked up, and we partnered with a couple of young ladies that were kratom users and had used kratom to help come off of opioids and opiates, and we organized a rally, put it out on Facebook, uh, advertised it on the pirate radio station we were affiliated with, and it really blew up fast. There was a lot of people in attendance, and we marched from. Uh, downtown near the river. We marched past the federal building because we at least wanted to get some federal influence in there. And then we came to the Capitol. And it was really just getting people aware and getting some exposure. And um, as far as what people can do now, uh, I don't think there's much of a point in educating your legislators unless Kratom is on their radar and they're talking about banning and prohibiting. I think it's good just to keep it off of the government's radar altogether if it's not if they're not already concerned with it. Um, right. Obviously, if you live in a county or a city or a state where they're talking about banning it, then it's time to get fired up and to speak to your legislators about it in a professional, respectful manner to visit with them in person or a phone call. Um, you know, it's an in-person meeting is worth ten phone calls is worth a hundred emails kind of deal. So like the most powerful thing you can do is go down there and meet in person. Uh, try to meet with the chief of staff if you can't meet with the legislator themselves. I actually did a video on how to lobby for Kratom and natural health stuff. I'm going to try to dig that up. And then the other thing I think which is important is just if you're a Kratom user and Kratom has benefited your life, share the magic and value and benefits of Kratom with as many people as you can in your personal life because the more of a swelling of people that benefit from Kratom, and of course, you know, if there's someone that's like all chill and zen out and doesn't take pharmaceuticals and isn't stressed or anxious, then they're just fine without it. But if you, obviously, everyone has people in their lives that are stressed, that are taking prescription pain medicine, that are struggling with drugs, alcohol, whatever. Uh, find people and share with them how great Kratom is. And then if the government does try to ban Kratom in your area, you'll have even more people that will be willing to make the phone calls to show up in person to march and to show that, like, there's a lot of people that are using this, a lot of normal people that are using it to benefit their lives. So back off. That's what I found, too. I, I share it with as many people as I can. Um if, uh, especially when I was working catering, a lot of people are on their feet forever. And Oh, with- yeah dealing with types of health issues so uh anytime i'd hear overhear them saying anything i'm like oh kratom and cannabis i'll give you some samples of kratom not the cannabis so uh yeah anything else you want to uh promote or talk about be, before you go um no we have cbd flower now if anybody want to try that we offer an eighth and a quarter silver haze it's really good stuff it really chills you out and smokes really well and, of course, if anybody's interested in trying a free ounce of some green Kratom, they can go to freeounceofkratom.com. And I appreciate you for having me on and for for doing this show to get the word out going above and beyond rather than just selling it. You're helping to promote and educate people about Kratom and get the word out there. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the work you're doing and coming on the show. I hope to uh, to be in touch and do this again. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. 
right. Thanks, John. Bye. Peace. So that about does it for this week's show. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you made it this far, I fucking love you. Send me a message. Um, hit me up on Twitter. I got the new YouTube channel. You can see those um, that clip from Matt Haddow, the clip from Dave Herman. You can see the Maryland testimony. Um, yeah, send me a message. Like, share, subscribe. It really helps out the algorithm. And uh, big, big thank you to Candid, Candid Orange Flavored Kratom. Seriously, guys, if you don't see a Candid on the shelf, tell them you want Candid. Especially if it's a place that sells that sells Kratom. But it's going to be in gas stations and all types of stores really soon. They're expanding really quick. Big thank you to Candid. Uh, don't forget about that giveaway. Go over and enter uh, the newsletter, masterablemarket.com. Enter the newsletter. And while you're there, pick up a t-shirt. They're fucking cool t-shirts. They're great. And I hadn't said this episode yet. Call. Give me a call. 617-917-5242. Join the text list. If you'd like to join the Boston Kratom WhatsApp group, uh, just let me know. And if you'd like to join the text list, send me a text message. And uh, until next time, folks. Together, we'll keep Kratom legal, safe, and available for all. Peace.